Are you working? What kind of work do you do? All right, so back for another episode of Sweat Equity. So we cracked top 30 for uh, top pods in the U.S. for marketing. Pretty, right. I'm feeling the pressure now. Yeah, I mean, nothing like where we're, what we're doing in Norway. Uh, Norway right. seems to be a fan. I, it can't be me because there's a bunch of me's walking around in Norway. So I think it's got to be you. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Um, I am feeling the pressure, though, now. I'm like, we, we got we to over-deliver. The, the cool thing, though, though has been and you and I talk about this, you know, you're finding content market fit when you're not asking for responses, they're just coming. Yeah. Like they're just coming your way. And that has happened. I mean, pretty, pretty frequently over the last two weeks that we've just been getting a ton of good feedback uh, organically on Twitter, people DMing us, people DMing the, the podcast page, writing posts about it on Twitter, on LinkedIn, like and it's not like, you know, to be completely honest and transparent, it's not like we're sending 20,000 downloads, right? Or like no. we're getting 20,000 downloads. Yeah, it's a high percentage of the people listening exactly. are providing feedback, yeah. which is really cool. Which is awesome. I sent messages to everybody and I first just was like, hey, can you do me a quick favor? Right. Yeah, oh, sure. No, no, uh, no like hooked them. Exactly. Yeah, bro. Damn. Of course. What's up? That's how you see the ride or die. And then fucking copy paste. Drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I had that shit ready to go. It was like, like it was three dots. A second later, it was just like a paragraph. It's like, no yeah. way he typed that. No, you probably got the fastest response times ever with that first text either, right? Yeah. Like, yo, I need you. Yeah. What? You good? <laughs> yeah, What's like, up? Let and me know. <laughs> I feel bad because one of my friends, Mitch, um, it was, <laughs> this is fucked. It was his birthday Friday, mm. right? And he just moved back from AZ. He was the first, first uh, person I ever met in Texas, became one of my best friends. And he just moved back and it was his birthday Friday and we were supposed to go out or like, go get a drink, whatever. You know me, baby's ours right there. I haven't, I don't go out. Right. So it's 10 o'clock and yo, I am out. And like last week was a long week with the community events and everything. For sure. 10 or 10 PM. I'm like, I'm, I was knocked out. I was not going out. I wanted to go out, but I just couldn't muster up the energy. And he texted me at like 11 or 12. He's like, yo, where are you at? And I just didn't respond. I was knocked out, right? 11 or 12. This man thought he was getting a dad out on yeah. 11 p.m. Yeah. Um, anyways, yesterday he texted me. He's just like, yo, you good? Because I never <laughs> responded. And I was like, yeah, bro, I'm good, but could be better. What's up? No. Yo, I, I need you to drop this <laughs> drop this review for Sweat say, Equity on Apple Podcasts. thought you were just going to respond. I need a favor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even acknowledge this shit. So what you got today, man? I'm excited. Okay, so the, the first thing that I want to talk about is Grand Theft Auto. And there was, you know, quote unquote, a leak that happened last week. Yeah. Um, and it generated <laughs> a, an insane amount of hype for Grand Theft Auto, um, which and drove hundreds of millions of views and a, just a ton of awareness for the game. So with that, I want to, and then I'm going to go over other leaks and just, is, is it a marketing strategy or is it, does it actually happen on accident? Yeah. Yeah. The, that should be our new segment is uh, fact or cap. And it's just like, guess the leak. Like, was dude, it true? Or? I used to, I don't know if it was with John, but like we used to play like cap or not. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> like, yeah, is, is the person lying or is people, he not? Friendly reminder, people are capping. Yes. They're all the time. Capping. The other part I'm going to talk about is, um, in, I'm going to leave it with an open-ended question and we'll, we could riff on this, but it is about Olipop and how they ditched all paid ads mm. um, to go all in on influencer partnerships on TikTok specifically, not IG, not any other platform, just TikTok. And it's actually pretty interesting on how much they grew over uh, the last two years. Wow. That's what awesome. you got? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk about a situation Red Lobster just got themselves into <laughs> where the offer was too good. These guys are giving out too much shrimp and it actually cost them... <laughs> A ridiculous amount of money. Um, and then there's a lot of other examples of this where brands have decided to just go all in on some big promo and it massively backfires, costs executives their job, tanks the stock price. And what smaller brands can learn because a lot of times people are giving away these crazy discounts on holiday sales, email collection, SMS, whatever it is to be able to move product yeah. and kind of inflate your ROAS and inflate your cost per acquisition yeah. to make it look like you're a healthier business than you are. Um, and ultimately, like how you walk back from that and you establish value without needing to just discount all the time. Uh, and then if we have time, going to talk about 
you know, how to get some win back campaigns going and yeah. recapture churn customers. But some tells me we're about to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Like I told you, uh, there, there's crazy <clears throat> rabbit holes that you just go down at like 1 a.m., yeah. 2 a.m. No doubt. Gus texts me at like 3.45 a.m. And I'm like, the rabbit hole that you have to go down at, are you 29 or 28? At 28, to be able to stay up till 3.46 yeah. in the morning must be crazy. Yeah. I want to experience it, but I don't. You might be done. I don't know if you got that in you anymore. I don't have, yeah, I don't have that kind of juice. Yeah, I think you're you're more likely to wake up at 3.30 yeah, than yes. to stay up till 3.30. 100%. Uh, which, congrats, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Gus and I will be <laughs> chilling on our computers to see what's good on Reddit. Aura. Dude, so have are you a video game? Do you play video games? I used to, um, and then I kind of transferred to just like strictly like competing against friends video games. Like I, I never really played like anything solo, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm very similar in that in that aspect. I didn't really play video games growing up, um, and if I did, it was just sport games. And it was like the homies would come over after football practice. Yeah. We'd play Madden. Like we would have a Madden tournament. No doubt. Right. And, and that's kind of how I still am. Like one of my uh, best friends, Chris, will come over and we'll play, you know, we'll have a Madden tournament, but it's like, I'm never, th the PS4 has dust on it. Yeah. You know I what mean, I'm saying? Like, are, I'm not, are we on the PS5? No. See, that's the thing. I'm like, I still got a <laughs> PS4 at the crib. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like that's like the previous generation. Exactly. Like, and before, like, yeah, yeah, I just don't have that's game fun. consoles like that. that. I feel that. Um, and actually, Chris, I beat you in the last Madden tournament best 10 game first person to win 10 games had to buy the other person an airbnb night i where, still haven't gotten that yet i was gonna say where is he yeah chris dvd yeah um but anyway so last week there was probably one of the biggest video game leaks that have happened i, I would say of all time it was one of the biggest leaks of all time i'm sure you saw about this did you did you hear about the grand theft auto leak absolutely okay yeah. so so i don't know the exact time frame gus would probably know better but the last Grand Theft Auto came out 10 plus years ago. Is that accurate? Yeah. yeah 10, 10 plus years ago. I've actually never played. Actually, I've played Grand Theft Auto one time. But the craziest thing is I, I was looking up GTA trailer and came across a, another trailer that had 150 million views. It was the GTA 5 trailer. And mm. that thing dropped in like, I mean, it must have been like 2010, 2011. Yeah. And it's like, no wonder like the wait for this trailer came out. One of the and top comments. Off. One of the top comments on the trailer was... Uh, RIP to all the loyal fans who spent all their time waiting for this trailer. <laughs> it's like, damn, it's like kind of true. So here's the thing. It's December 4th. Mm. And like most, most things, Crypto Bros just had to ruin it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because the release of Grand Theft Auto was supposed to happen December 6th. Yeah. The two days prior, the Crypto Bros, they go live. They somehow get this like leaked footage of the trailer and it's like, it looks like the bootleg version. It looks like I downloaded this off Frostwire or LimeWire. Well, they probably like, downloaded it on Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was absolutely atrocious. It's shitty. It's low quality uh, version of the trailer. You mean and to tell me that this. crypto oversold what they were going to deliver? No way. No. Come on. Because <laughs> it, it's this trailer. It gets millions of views. On the trailer, it literally says in big bold letters, like, taking up a lot of the screen, buy BTC. <laughs> yeah. Like it literally says buy Bitcoin. But this created an uproar against gamers, right? And then Rockstar Games, they had to respond. They're in the position of, yo, we're supposed to be announcing this, this trailer in two days. You guys just came and screwed this all up. So they posted a tweet that said, our trailer has leaked, so please watch the real thing on YouTube. This, and they also posted it on, on Twitter. Look at these stats. 11.8 million views in just over 30 minutes. Wow. Just on Twitter. Damn. <laughs> and it became Twitter's top gaming post ever. Within 16 hours, it hit 71.2 million views. Now has over 100 million views. The other crazy part was this shattered Mr. Beast's record for the most viewed video in a 24-hour span that wasn't a music video. Um, within the first 13 hours, it hit 61 million views. It then eclipsed 93 million views at the end of the 24-hour mark. Now it has 142 million total views. Um, other crazy stats are there was over 1 million plus searches on Google for the GTA trailer. That day? That day. Oh my God. The crazier stat is it was the second most searched thing that day. Oh God. The first thing was, <laughs> do you know the quarterback Trevor Lawrence for Jacksonville? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he like broke his ankle and that was somehow it was like the, Trevor Lawrence injury report. Yeah. It was like Trevor Lawrence's oh, ankle injury. Whenever you think you have scale, just remember <laughs> yeah. you are not the NFL. <laughs> yeah. That's Which is crazy. There was over 20,000 tweets about GTA six. And then there were thousands of media publications that covered the story. Here's the thing. I totally think they manufactured this leak. Mm. And the reason is it goes out. And then two of the biggest people in our culture, LeBron James and Mr. Beast, tweet about it, mm. right? LeBron James literally tweets, GTA 6 looks insane. Sheesh. That drove 40 million impressions. <laughs> Mis- <laughs> like, tell me that doesn't sound like an ad read. copywriter of our generation. Yeah, like, does that not sound like a great ad read or an ad read? <laughs> yeah. Um, Mr. Beast takes a screenshot of it on tw- uh, a screenshot of the, the YouTube video and posts it on Twitter and says, the GTA 6 trailer just broke our record for most views on YouTube in 24 hours. Mm. That just sounds like to me, that it was manufactured. I don't know about the crypto angle, or it's maybe it's like it's like the crypto guys did it. Of course, it's a leak. Like, exactly. You know I what mean, I'm saying? It's like the perfect using, crime, right? One hundred percent. They're they're kind of in the spotlight for being sketch already. Like, oh, what an easy. Yeah. Imagine being in the rock star boardroom, and they're like, "Who could we pin this on?" It's crypto. Like, bros. No fucking doubt. It's the crypto guys. Exactly. That's what. Like, I I do feel like it was one hundred percent manufactured because then they also <laughs> covered a lot of the. Um, a lot of the trailer with with the text, right? Like you couldn't see much. It was and the le- game is based in Miami. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect. Every- <laughs> Which is where they have Bitcoin week or like yeah. crypto week or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it all works. Um, and then so this sent me down the rabbit hole of leaks. And mm. should you manufacture them? Are they legit? Do people actually use them as a marketing strategy? And dude, like the, the stories that I find of tech companies just pulling off these leaks is, it's insane. So- yeah. 2010, and uh, Apple is supposed to, to drop the iPhone 4, right? But it was unreleased. So one of the engineers goes to a bar, and he's, he's taking shots. He's, he's here. You want, you want a round? You want a round? Yeah. Drinks on me. Gets a little hammered, right? Leaves the bar and just leaves his iPhone 4 that's unreleased on the bar stool. Mm. Doesn't get fired. Steve Jobs just gets a little bit mad and then when he's asked about this, <laughs> this situation, he just says, I had underestimated how good German beer is. Hmm. And that was his reasoning for misplacing the device. And, it, this, and then the pictures of it being on the bar stool then started circulating online. It started getting picked up by all these publications. They started breaking down the tech, breaking down the reviews. And for, just for a little throwback, I'm pretty sure that was the first time they changed the form factor of the iPhone. Right. It was previously it was rounded. Previously it was rounded. And then that was the first year that they were making it square. And so Um, that was like a major, like, obviously they're dropping software updates. They're dropping all sorts of stuff. And they'll leak that on internet articles. But to just conveniently leave the new product design in public in Silicon Valley, no one's going to pick that up. Right. I mean, you're picking that up. You're like, what the hell is this? Like, you just found gold. Okay. And then... That gold struck again in 2011 when the unreleased iPhone 5 was left on another bar stool at a tequila bar by another Apple employee. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, right. you, you can manufacture these moments where you need to generate hype behind something. Or the other interesting part, and we could get into it, is you can validate an idea or like get product feedback by leaking something. For sure. You can see what the sentiment is to it. I yes. mean, it's a great way to kind of slow roll something. So again, sent me down more rabbit holes. And this goes from a video game to tech to now a movie. Stealing the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. 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 You've heard of Deadpool? Yeah. So the first movie dropped in 2016. But the crazy thing is Ryan Reynolds and their team, they were trying to make it for 11 years. Hmm. And for 11 years, they were just told no and no. And during that time span, they made a script six years prior. Right. So they had just this script that just was not going to get turned into a movie. And it kept getting the red light. Like the, the people that would back it just said, no, like we're not doing that. It's not going to hit. Um, we don't have the budget for it. Yeah. So what do they do? They leak the script online. Mm-hmm. This created such an uproar, especially with Marvel, fan, Marvel fans, where we know those are diehard fans, right? Anybody, people that are Marvel fans, like if something drops online, they're swarming that those outlets. Yeah. So, Deadpool fans go nuts, absolutely berserk for it. And the studio then grants them a small amount of money to make test footage. So they make the test footage. And it sat on the shelf for four years. 
again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> again, it was just like, yeah, yeah, the test footage is, it's okay. But like, we're still not going to put money behind it. We just gave you money so that we could get you to shut up. Ryan Reynolds is like, dude, we're going to do this again. Are you, are you, are you kidding me? Do you know who right. I am? I'm Ryan Reynolds. I'm the, the best marketer. Of the 2010s. Of the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the best marketer. I build shit. Yeah. Guess what? I'm going to leak the test footage. Accidentally leaks the test footage. And it again, sends the internet in an uproar and forces them to then film the movie. And so they were like, okay, you know what? You're going to keep fucking us. We're going to fuck you. You're getting a $58 million budget, which isn't shit for a movie. That's like, not, especially not for, for a, a Marvel movie. movie. Yeah. Okay. It earned $782 million. And it, at the time, it was the highest grossing rated R film, mm-hmm. which is wild. That, that has now been like this, just this idea of leaking things to be able to test an idea, get the product feedback was, is, is like the mechanism behind one of the most successful movies of all time. Now, one of the most successful, going to be one of the most successful video games of 2025 because it's not even going to drop for another year. That's the other thing is they just engineered crazy hype, you know, 18 months before this thing's even yeah. dropping. Yeah. And it's only going to keep generating like more hype and more uh, demand for it. But this, this did get me going down rabbit holes of like, okay, what other companies have done leaks that are more startups, you know, like more, they're more, For it's sure. like, what, what can we do? That's a leak, right? Or yeah. what, what can your startup do? That's a leak. So, um, when I was at the hustle, uh, they did a, a quote unquote, a leak for black Friday and it got a lot of good responses and a lot of negative responses. Are you talking about the email? Yeah. Yeah. I do yeah. remember that actually. And it yeah. was great. So the, <laughs> The email was sent from Sam's, uh, from Sam's email, his personal email. And, it's, and the subject line was forward in parentheses, needs approval, all caps, Black Friday email draft. And Sam's a great copywriter. And then the email just says, hey team, pumped about the trend sale going live for Black Friday. Quotes, link. I think everything should be good to go. Just double check and make sure all the links and codes work. Let me know. He sent this to 2 million people. Yeah. It drove seven figures in sales for trends. And it was just like this idea of we leaked the email the day before Black Friday and like went absolutely berserk. And it got, it got a lot of PR too on Twitter of like, wow, this, this company just did this. Um, they leaked this email a lot. of, And we played it off for like the first bit that, oh, yeah. you know, we got fat fingers. We fucked up. Um, we had to put a tw- you know, tweet like press release out there like, oh, we screwed up. But hey, like you might as well take advantage of this while you can. And it crushed. Oh, I bet. And it again, it's just this, this like little idea of can you leak a code? Can you leak um, a discount? Can you leak what your the product drop is? Then the, one of the most interesting ones I saw during this Black Friday was Rad Global, who we talked about uh, on the last pod or one of the last episodes. Um, Rad Global kind of took the same um, kind of the same strategy as Trends and as the Hustle, but what they did was they sent. an entire email chain, like the entire conversation between the co-founders and the marketing team and the product managers, they sent that entire chain of emails to everybody. And that was like how they hyped up Black Friday. Yeah. So it was the subject line is rad Black Friday idea. And then it came from the rad employee mail. Right. And then the the main subject line is like, I've got it for, I got, I've got it for Black Friday, dot, dot, dot. And that's coming from the founder. And then it's just like a series of emails where they're all, they're all responding and it's like answering all the questions about what's happening on Black Friday. Yeah. And so, I mean, I could, I could show you, but they then go on to tell you in many, in, in like these hidden ways of what colors are dropping again. And it was like this leaked email of leaked. Yeah, dude. It's like a few, and this happened a few days prior to Black Friday that they leaked this email they then do this announcement on IG. They're like, hey, we screwed up, but we got these colors dropping. Yeah. You know, what What do you think about things like this? Do you like them? Do you think it's it's smart? Would you do it? Um, yeah, give me thoughts. I think there's a lot of contrast between the two examples that you just mentioned. Yeah, I went all over the place. It, well, well, particularly the rad and, and the hustle one. So the hustle one feels perfectly executed. That seems like a you're getting almost everyone on that first send, you're getting them to be confused. Yeah. But now we're dealing with a more educated consumer. Yeah. You know, people have seen the story about trends, like whether they've heard about the hustle or whatever, they probably saw at least something. I'm not saying they saw it, but like 
No, dude, people somebody, are, sorry to cut you off. Somebody in the comments literally said, ha, hit him with the hustle, the hustle email. Exactly. Like very few things are original ideas at this yeah. point. And so this honestly, the vibes of the rad global one give me similar energy as so Shopify went down in early November. And a lot of brands took that as an opportunity to say, hey, our site went down. So to make up for the lost time, we're giving you an offer. And everyone's saying our site went down, our site went down. Mm. And to the point of, you know, Shopify was down for like 15 minutes. <laughs> this was not like a long, long time, but it, it's, uh, everyone kind of hopped on the same exact idea. Yeah. And the hustle, like that was a genuinely brilliant idea, right? Right off the bat. Like, oh, we're going to leak our Black Friday so he sale. Just, uh, from what I've heard, he just heard, like thought about it and somebody else told, like some other company did it. And he yeah. was like, fuck it, we're going to do it too and launched it in 30 minutes. Like yeah. it wasn't a planned thing. Whereas Rad's was, I, I applaud Rad because they did two email chains like that. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that they thought it out. They're like, okay, we're going to do this. Then this one's going to drop the next day. And then we're going to forward people to our Instagram where we're apologizing, but we're going to announce everything. Like they planned yeah. it. Like it was this whole, this whole thing. And then they were one of the ones that I talked about where, and you said this too, where they just did, like they didn't discount any of their products on Black Friday. They just did a Black Friday drop. Right. And this was part of that Black Friday drop where they right. launched four or five different product colorways. They don't, uh, they don't do sales and they also don't repeat a, a product. Like once it's sold out, it's out. Yeah, which, um, is, which is smart to like leak that gauge demand. Yeah. I, it, it definitely, I'm sure it worked really, really well. Um, the, the copycat approach, you know, is something that we all kind of have to play that game anyway, right? Like the, most ideas have kind of already happened. And yeah. so... Um, you know, leaking your product features is not anything new. Apple's yeah. been doing it. They have a website called MacRumors.com. Yeah. You know, it's just for super fans to go and, you know, what's going to be the RAM on, on the next Mac? What, what's going to be the display? You know, how many pixels? And people really pay attention to that and it, it guides shopping behavior. I 100%. mean, at, at that scale. And a lot of companies do this, you know, I know a lot of software founders that have launched several times on product time. So for context for our listeners, Product Hunt is this website where you can kind of just, you know, put your software idea, no matter what stage it's at, typically you want to launch as ready to go as possible. But a lot of people put out a beta on that that is not fully fleshed out. And it ranks them on the day. People rank to, you know, if, is this something you're interested in or not? You upvoted or downvoted. It's a similar experience yeah. to Reddit. And a lot of people will just do Product Hunt three to five times. Yeah. Right. For every V one, two or three of their business. And it's because there's nothing like the feedback loop of actually being in market. And now with social media, all these companies are able to get that sort of feedback. How hype is everyone about GTA right now? Because the trailer looked amazing. Photorealistic. It's in Miami. But at the same time, a lot of people had feedback. There was already GTA Vice City. They already been to Miami. And so they're kind of saying, are we sure that this is where we wanted to go? There were so many, there was a little bit of pushback that I saw. Yeah. People were saying like, you guys really had an opportunity to go to, you know, Paris or London or something crazy. You went back to South and Florida. And you went back to South Florida. You know, so you do get all angles of it. You, yeah. You're able to generate hype, but there is a risk to get some blowback. And I think there's probably been a ton of companies that have had blowback from a leak where people aren't a huge fan of it. That's fair. I, my main takeaway here is, it's similar to what you just covered. If you do have an idea that you want to test demand for it, leak it. And you yeah. can leak it through an influencer. You can leak it through your personal pages or through a founder, CEO, or an email. If you, do, if you are getting ready for a launch and you do want to create that curiosity, that hype, and that demand, also leak it. Yeah. But the biggest thing that you have to take into account for, you have to have your marketing assets ready to go. For sure. Like if, if you have to have your funnels, your landing pages, your emails, like SMS, everything locked in, dialed in, if you're going to do a leak, because you also, you never know how people are going to respond to it. For sure. You never know how much traction it's going to get. And if, for example, the hustle wasn't ready for something like that, and I, I don't remember if they were or weren't, it could, it could completely just trash your entire systems. Yeah. And, and also your CS team, your yeah. customer support and customer yeah. success, you know, those, those people have to be aware if you're going to leak something, hey, we might get it, a lot of inbound requests that something's broken, that people are, you know, have some sort of issue with what we just did. Yeah. So, you know, looping in the whole team there is definitely super important. 
I think, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's high risk, high reward. It right? is. I mean, it, is. it can really, it can really burn you or it can also be the thing that people just can't seem to get their hands off of. So. Ask Kim Kardashian. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> ultimate. The ultimate leak. The ultimate businesswoman. Um, I want to hear about this red lobster shit. This, because <laughs> you were kind of like briefing me and you briefed the entire team on like this topic and, and kind of gave us the rundown. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't, it just sounds, it's wild. No, I, you got to break this down for me. I, I got to stop talking about shrimp. So, yeah, and crab uh, people are starting to be like, dude, what's your, get your forest compass out of here. So, um, yeah. So there are times where an offer can be too good to be true. Yeah. Right. And so Red Lobster decided they've been struggling for the last few years and they wanted to make a splash. Their move to do that is for the last 18 years, they've had an all you can eat endless shrimp campaign only on Mondays. However, this year they decided to make it every day. Now, what do you expect when you're just giving out shrimp all you can eat? $20, seven days a week. America, we're a hungry country, bro. People, if they see a deal like that, they're going to come feast. So what happened, why this story leaked, to your point, is, and this has got to be one of the funniest parts of this entire story. The CFO of the publicly traded company, Thai Union, that owns Red Lobster, had to go on an investor call and say that people ate too much shrimp and that they overestimated Americans' appetite for shrimp, and that it was the reason that Red Lobster's losses doubled this oh, quarter. So they lost $5 million in 2023 Q2. In Q3, they lost $11 million. Now, that's despite a 4% bump in traffic to their 670 wow. restaurants. So massive amount of influx of people. Yeah. But what they didn't understand is that, you know, if they thought people were going to eat 15 to 20 shrimp, per outing, people were actually eating closer to 30 to 35 shrimp per outing. So, you know, their marketing team naturally tries to spin this as a win, right? We got virality. Everyone's talking about us. And they did go pretty Dude, we viral. went viral on TikTok. They, they went super viral. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like one YouTuber ate 31 orders of shrimp. Another reporter ate for eight hours. He sat there and ate 73 total shrimp. Think about that. He ate an entire, an entire school of shrimp right? Like, several influencers commented it was the first time they'd been to Red Lobster in 20 years. However, if you think about the money that they lost on this campaign, it was for a short-term benefit and a long-term loss. Because ultimately, if your intent was to go take advantage of this deal and that deal is no longer there, do they really think people are going to go back to Red Lobster? Right? Like the cheddar biscuits can only get you so far. Cheddar biscuits are... Phenomenal. Yeah, I can't gosh. believe that they, they didn't realize like in America, yeah. nearly one in three adults are overweight. You make unlimited shrimp right. an everyday thing. Though the one of three people are going to be at Red Lobster. Absolutely. Crushing biscuits, crushing shrimp. A hundred percent. And this is actually not the first time that they've done this. So in 2000, <laughs> the worst part, like, yeah, in 2003, they had a really similar idea. So they had an all you can eat seafood buffet for $15. Now, if that didn't make your skin crawl, let me, let me add more. They decided, okay, it's $15. Let's go up market. Let's attract a, a higher end consumer. We're going to integrate snow crab into the buffet and charge those people $23 to get the snow crab. Now, have you, have you eaten snow crab before? Mm -hmm. It's a kind of a process. Like it's, it's a thin meat. It's not very filling. And unfortunately, it just takes a long time. You have to build the skill. Right. It's almost like learning how to use chopsticks. Exactly. It takes a while to like get to know or like learn how to use chopsticks. It's the same thing with snow crab or like the first time you crawfish. Right. It takes a while to figure out how to do this and do it efficiently. A hundred percent. And the thing about snow crab too, it's incredibly hard to get massive amounts of it because yeah. of regulations. It's yeah. kind of like an endangered species. It's not this easy thing to just go snipe from the ocean. Like you can just throw a net in there and get a bunch of shrimp. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a more challenging thing to source overall. So it's more expensive. It's harder to have a lot of it in your supply chain. And so ultimately uh, people were taking, like people were way too stoked about this crab. <laughs> they were going crazy at Red Lobster. So they're having too much crab. They're taking too long at the restaurant. 
So they're not able to see, like Red Lobster was known for having massive wait times in 2003 over this eight-week period because people would take an hour and a half to just be cracking open their crab, eating it. They wouldn't get full, so they would go get more. So they were having, not only do they miss estimates on how much crab people would eat, but it was also how much average time people would spend at the restaurant. So they had to order more. They weren't getting as much business and ultimately it cost them $400 million oh my gosh. in their stock price after earnings tanked. What year was this, you said? 2003. CEO got okay. fired as a result. <laughs> <laughs> so, so funny. Taking it back to the, to the most recent Red Lobster uh, situation, <laughs> do you think that, I know you said that you, this is going to, it was a short-term gain yeah. for a long-term downfall. Do you think that's the truth? Like, do you think that they, I, they did generate a, a good amount of awareness? Yes, good job, marketing team. B, do you think that some of these people that have just never, haven't thought about Red like I, for example, I have not thought about Red Lobster yeah. in years. Exactly. Because of this, I'm like, I don't want to say I'm considering Red Lobster because Vanessa hates seafood, but like, maybe. Are you considering it now or are you going to yeah. wait for the all you can eat? No, round? like I'm kind of just con- thinking about, I don't want scallops. I kind of want lobster. Like, Are you going to Red Lobster for that though? I don't know. I, that, that's I mean, not in Austin. Right? Because they, they position themselves as a bargain seafood option. I'll, I'll, like that's never... A, a yeah. combo of words like Long that you John want to Sil- hear, Like right? Long John Silver's like... Yeah. No, they're like elevated cousin. Long John Silver. No, like yeah. their cousin from a better city. They're kind of like the rich... <laughs> the rich uncle from like the trailer park family, right? Yes. And I think like it's, it's going to result in a lot more overall brand awareness, which is kind of what their parent company wanted. They wanted to make a splash and have people talking about Red Lobster again. But my prediction would be that any boost in traffic and foot traffic in particular is going to taper off. Like it's not going to be sustained through Q4 during the holidays. Like it's not going to happen. Like it's something that, you know, they've lost all this money, right? Now they're kind of getting clowned in the press too because everyone's like, yo, I had 73 shrimps for $20. Like, you know, like that's not the context you want for your rebrand. And how would you then turn this situation into a win? Let's let's like be... Red Lobster's uh, marketing team. How yeah. do we turn this into a win? How do we say like, okay, you generated all this awareness. Let's get people back in the door, even though we're not going to, you can't eat 72 like loads of, you know, loads <laughs> yeah, of no, shrimp. No more shrimp. Yeah. Uh, I think if I, were, if I were their marketing team and I wanted to turn this into a win, it'd be a couple of things. Number one is I'm definitely rolling out another promotion yeah. like next year. Like You've already committed to being always on sale. You've conditioned your customers to think there's yeah. always going to be some sort of incentive to come to the restaurant. Well, now you want to keep it, right? Is it the all-you-can-eat seafood buffet? Is it free biscuits with every meal? I think their kind of most treasured thing is those biscuits. Like, I'd probably try and do some sort of brand collab around the biscuits with, you know, whether it's an up-and-coming movie or like a you know, some sort of seasoning that's going by. I don't know. There's a lot. I, w- I would try and leverage like some parasite marketing with maybe something else that's super culturally relevant because now you kind of have this weird presence on TikTok. Yeah. Like people like were memeing you there for a little bit. So, you know, why not try and make a challenge? Maybe it is. Can you eat 73 shrimp, right? And your meal's free. Like people haven't really done the... uh <laughs> You know, there's all these restaurants where it's like, hey, we got a 50 pound burger. If you can eat it in one sitting, it's free. And maybe they could do that with shrimp. So I think they do that with the biscuits. You remember the saltine challenge mm. of like, mm-hmm. can yeah. you eat like six, is it six like saltine crackers in, it's like in a minute or something? Yeah. Something? Yeah. How many biscuits can you eat in a minute? Yeah. Right. Like Chipotle had their uh, flip, like they flipped the cap or not flip the cap, but they flipped like the lid of the bull yeah. challenge on TikTok that went stupid viral. Everybody goes to Chipotle. They got right, right. They got to take part in this challenge. Dude, have the biscuit challenge. Right. Like lean into being kind of like a silly viral brand. 100%. Right? Like Red Lobster has such an old connotation. But if we've learned anything in today's day and age, people love nostalgia. Well, like yes. Red Lobster is 100% a very nostalgic experience. No one has been there since they were eight years old. And no like, what you're going to Red Lobster after you just got a Sunday service with right. your family. Like right. you're going to go. You're about to go ham yeah, on, on them shrimp. On bi- and biscuits <laughs> and shrimp. Yeah. I would do that. And then like my other move is because you have to like lean into kind of being the discount, uh, like a almost like JCPenney yeah. for food. 
I'm finding influencers that are like kind of like the prank people yeah. on YouTube, on TikTok. 100%. And those are the people I'm inviting for this biscuit challenge. Yeah. And you have to have some crazy grand prize too. Like, Absolutely. Maybe you lean into- Free lobster for life. I was about to say that you beat me to the punchline. If you do hit six biscuits in a minute, like you do get free lobster for life. Yeah. But they need to calculate like- there's got to be some sort of threshold of like moisture in your mouth that you can't pat. Like if you have too many biscuits, they got to like calculate like four and a half biscuits is where no one can go past yeah. and then make it five biscuits. You got it. Yeah. Because I'm not going to lie. They can't afford to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they, they can't go like three stock tanks in the last like 20 years uh, and never come back from it. So, you know, what's kind of crazy is uh, when, when you're looking into this, right? And I wanted to find other contemporary examples of when the offer is too good. Yeah. There's two that really stood out. Number one, and they actually both involve uh, plane tickets. So number one, mm. there is this uh, dominant player in the England uh, vacuum market called Hoover. And so Hoover had uh, too much product in their warehouses. And so what were they going to do? Well, they're going to offer people something that they could not refuse. If you buy $100 worth of Hoover products, that means we will give you a hunt, a uh, voucher to fly to America and back, <laughs> right? Now, the math ain't math. Like, as soon as you hear that internally, I'm like, okay, so like how much does a Hoover vacuum cost? Costs like 70 bucks. So I buy two vacuums. I'm getting a voucher to go to America. Sounds crazy, That's right? Crazy. It was. And people acted accordingly. They flooded the stores. So much so that instead of having to free up space in their warehouse, they actually had to increase their production capacity to meet demand. So not only are they not making a ton of money on these vacuums, right? They're only netting like $30 per vacuum. The average airline ticket round trip to go to America and back at the time was $570. So like they're literally losing that much money, you know, $540 yeah. per oh vacuum. So naturally, 220,000 British folks got their flights. How many? 220,000. Oh, this is where, like you said, they, they own an airline or something, oh, right? Yeah. They're like, 100%. Another 350 got stiffed on the voucher because the Hoover team, the Hoover legal team's sole goal during this period was to litigate people getting their flights. Like that was like such a cost center for them. They had to go be like, nah, you misspelled your name or your address is wrong. Like the form didn't line up on <laughs> yeah. your purchase. Like they were trying to get people. We on never the got your form submission. Yeah. Like on the fine print. So ultimately they had to shell out and this is the nineties, right? So this number adjusted for inflation would be a lot bigger, but they had to shell out $72 million for the flights over the course of four years, 72 million loss. Keep in mind the lost profit and revenue per vacuum during that time as well. Yeah. We're talking about probably $140 million swing. That's crazy. Four years later, they had to sell the business to a competitor for a loss of $81 million. Oh, my God. Yeah, got, got acquired for parts. Uh, <laughs> as you can expect, everyone got fired. Oh, my God. <laughs> they did not make the trip over to the new organization. <laughs> yeah. uh, wild, bro. Absolutely wild. And then another one, and this is the last one that you know we can all kind of learn from because ultimately, when you're offering people something too good to be true, do not underestimate the guy who is just going to take complete advantage of the offer. American Airlines offered an all-you-can-fly pass in 1981 for $250,000. Lifetime free, right? Like lifetime pass. If you buy it for 250K, fly wherever you want, whenever you want, as much as you want for life. Yeah. How do you think that worked out? We wrote about this at The Hustle, so I know how it, yeah. Yeah, how it ended, but go ahead. I'll just get to the punchline. Ultimately, they had two guys that loved this deal so damn much. He would fly to Canada just to get a sandwich, right? Like he was, this dude was taking as many flights as humanly possible, ultimately costing American Airlines over a million dollars a year One in flights. One single person. Two customers. I mean, two, yeah. Two customers. Talk wow. about an AOV. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, what, what is the lesson from all of this, right? Like, don't rely too much on incentivization for your customers. Let the product sell itself. But so many brands in our space are, here's 15% off for your email. Here's 20% off your abandoned cart if you want to buy now. You know, we're always on strike through pricing. There's so many people that rely solely on discounts and holiday sales and all this stuff to actually move product. And there's a lot better ways to establish value for your customers. And that just starts with your positioning, 
your marketing, the way that you frame your product photos. There's all sorts of stuff that you can do to really, you know, not rely on being like, you're almost begging someone for the sale, right? 100%. Hey, like you wouldn't buy this. You're on the street corner, dude. Like you're on the street corner begging for that sale. (laughs) You wouldn't buy this for $78. What about 65? Like with a free plane ticket. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Huh? Huh? Does that sound interesting? And, you know, the way to move product is not through uh, constant discounts. It's it's through, you know, establishing value. And if you do want to like go down that rabbit hole too, we just did an episode with Oren, what, I, I think it was last week. Yeah. Where we went down, okay, how do you position a regular product as a, as a luxury product and be able to charge or uh, just increase the price, increase demand for it? Um, and how do you do that through your marketing? How do you position your product? How do you do these things where... Somebody looks at your product and, and thinks it is luxury. Right. If you can manufacture that, if you can create that, then you don't have to fucking give all you can eat shrimp with your products. Yeah, like Gucci's not on discount. No. Right? Like people are willing to pay that stuff. And obviously they have the leverage of the brand, yeah. but like there's a lot of, and you know, don't get me wrong. Luxury brands do clearance sales all the time, but ultimately they're able to charge so much that even their luxury sales, they're giving away 10%, they're still making money. They still have luxury space. margins. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you know, the commoditized t-shirt companies out there trying to compete with True Classic. And they're like, True Classic is, you know, $25 per t-shirt. So I'm going to sell mine for 30, but strike through price down to 22. Yeah. And then you're only making $8 per t. You know, that's not going to scale, right? So like, you know, make sure to (laughs) stand out for other ways, but don't be, don't be the discount guy. So you're big into DTC. You're big in that world. And you run a ton on paid ads. You've spent millions and millions on paid ads, um, probably hundreds of millions at this point. <laughs> when One you, day. no, I'm saying like for other brands, like you've oh, managed, yeah. sorry, yes. you've managed right. hundreds of millions of, of dollars spent on, on places like Meta and, and whatnot. Yeah. When you think about scaling a DTC company, probably the first thing that comes to your mind is paid ads. Is no that, doubt. Yeah. No doubt, I mean, right? it's, the, it's the most efficient way to acquire customers at scale. You're seeing a lot of people right now, they're like, I'm shifting my budget away from Facebook and I'm really curious to see like if there will be a channel that can replace it eventually. Okay. Well, there is a brand that completely proved you wrong on this. Oh yes. All right. Olipop. Let's talk about it. You saw me drinking an Olipop when I came in here. I did. Um, My stomach was bugging yesterday. (laughs) You know this. My stomach was bugging yesterday. I don't know what it was, but I I needed, I needed the probiotics, baby. I needed some probiotics in me. So Olipop. They're taking on Pepsi, Coca-Cola, and they're, you know, they're trying to position themselves as a mainstream soda that's healthy for you. Not only is it healthy for you, but it really benefits your gut. And they're a great example of this idea of landing and expanding that we talked about with Rogue Fitness, Rad Global, Haven, where when they first came into the market, they were like, hey, look, we're a gut health soda. And that was their positioning. It was, we're, we're healthy meets delicious. Yeah. And now that they've expanded and they've gotten huge, they're now becoming, they're, they're essentially making soda more mainstream and now positioning themselves as a, an alternative to soda, right. as an alternative to 40, 50 grams that's in, of sugar that's in a, a Coca-Cola can, which yeah. I, it might actually be more. And they, they taste good too. They taste phenomenal. Yeah, they're like, really good. Vanessa's the one that put me onto it and I had one. I'm like, no, like the, the probiotic soda, like, no, I'm, yeah, what? I'm good. And then I what had one. Dude, I, is that? This is hers, actually. I did steal it. That is hers. It's not even mine. I never buy them. She buys them. I steal them. Uh, That's how our relationship classic works. Classic husband move to be like, yeah. oh, dude, she just bought it for me. I didn't want it. Yeah. When you're trying to go against the big guys and the big guys being Coca-Cola and Pepsi, how are you going to win? How are you going to own this market? How are you going to even penetrate this market and, and take up a little bit of this market? So when especially specifically when Pepsi spends 2.3 to 3.5 billion dollars on advertising a year, Coca-Cola spends 4 billion dollars on advertising a year. Right. They're omnipresent. Yeah. Olipop came in and was like, "You know what we're going to do? We're not even going to run ads mm. at all. We're not going to run ads on Facebook, on Instagram, uh on TikTok." So in 2021, they shut down all ads. Wow. All of them. And they leaned only into creator partnerships and organic content. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so yeah. what they did was they turned to TikTok. They didn't focus on Instagram. Uh, they didn't focus on YouTube or YouTube shorts. They were like, we're going to go all in on TikTok because TikTok's one of the platforms where you can gain massive awareness. Massive. It's, it's a hive, insane. It's a hive mind. Like yes. everything spreads like wildfire there and it, and it becomes this 
shared consciousness. Yes. Right. Everyone's going through the same trends. It's how the platform was designed too. So that's really smart by them. And so what they did, they found this creator named Sarah Crane, a TikToker. Mm. At the time, she had 8,400 followers. And she now works full-time for Olipop on a retainer for the brand, right? And what they did is they made her the, the face of Olipop. Then on top of that, then they built this influencer program. They built this like creator partnership program where it's, it's like all the top creators on TikTok all create content where they organically promote Olipop. So if I'm creating a video and I'm not Sarah Crane, but I'm Brian and I'm eating lunch today and I always go viral. It's like, hey, this is, this is my, my morning routine. This is my, the, the, yeah. my avocado toast that right. I eat in the morning. It's just like the Olipop's just there. Yeah. Right. And, or they'll just be like, and then I, I have this and then I'd have my Olipop and then that's I take smart. this supplement. Right. And they're just kind of like, and then I have my it. Olipop as if yeah. that's like the normal thing to say, like, and then I have my soda. Right. But they've made it the exactly. normal thing to say, yeah, which is taken over the word. Yes. They've taken it over by just kind of organically putting it in these, these partners, uh, videos. And it's just like very organic content placements versus other companies that they do an influencer partnership. That's like, Hey, this is Olipop. I have 15% coming off, like 15, you could get a 15% off by just using my code and clicking the link in the bio. Yeah, please buy. Yeah, please buy. I need to pay my rent. Yeah. You know, like, and that's, that's their move. Yeah. So when you look at the hashtag Olipop uh, partner on TikTok, uh, it has 1.6 billion views. Oh my gosh. When I don't, I think there's, you know, seven. What do you think the CPM is on that? Great, know? yeah. Yeah, like 1.6 billion views on Facebook. I mean- let me, I'll come back to you after I play with my calculator. Yeah. Pause. And then just the in general hashtag has 218 million views for Olipop. So to think that Olipop Partners hashtag has amassed 1.6 billion views is just insane. So, you know, fast forward, did this work? Well, in 2022, Olipop grew 223% and they became, this is one of those uh, awards where you're just like, who, who came up with this award? But the fastest growing refrigerated functional beverage in the U.S. That's a new award. <laughs> yeah. Bro, like, <laughs> what kind of award that is? This is was that? simply not a category five years yeah. ago. But they <laughs> they ended uh, they ended 2022 with 73.4 million in revenue. Yeah. And this year they're on track to do 200 million in revenue. Yeah. Explosive. And if you and again if you like actually go study Olipop's uh, TikTok and their organic dude, it is just a masterclass in okay let's make somebody the face of the brand. Let's get people to fall in love with this Sarah Crane girl. She's going to be the face of Olipop and people are going to buy into her. And because they buy into her, they're going to buy into our soda or our, our alternative soda. On the other front, then while you're doing that, you're also layering in all the influencers who are just put, who are organically promoting. Yeah. Who are yeah. organically promoting Olipop. So it is this funnel of like, get all this awareness. Then when you become aware of Olipop, you're now going to figure out, okay, let, let me learn more about Olipop. Yeah. And when you do, now you fall in love with this Sarah Crane girl who's now the face of the brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, they have done such a good job. So that's them versus this company, Poppy. Yeah. Poppy is their number one competitor. You know, talk about a market just ripe for disruption. We talk a lot about form factor on here too, right? Like meeting the consumer where they're used to with yeah. a better solution. And Olipop has kind of done that with obviously, you know, oh, you're very used to a cherry cola. Well, here's a cherry cola that's not going to give you diabetes yeah. and is actually going to be good for your, you know, gut health. Um, there's a tweet that I actually saw the other day. So Olipop used to be a, or used to be a spellbound customer. And uh, so we were very, you know, familiar with their business and kind of how they position themselves D2C versus retail. And this tweet just cracked me up the other day. This anonymous Twitter account just goes, Something about this brand feels very sinister to me. Like, where did they come from and why are they suddenly everywhere? Dot, dot, dot. The industry plant of the carbonated beverage world. <laughs> I think it's just so perfect to what yeah. you're saying, right? Like, oh, why do they feel everywhere? Why do they feel omnipresent? Because they created a hashtag, Olipop Partner. They incentivized the right influencers. And now there's content about this brand everywhere. Well, what is Whole Foods going to look for? Yeah. Right. They want social proof. Obviously, they need sell through rate at retail, but like to get in there and to help them move, Olipop has done an amazing job with organic social. It's brilliant. Man, what a category. Like, because you think about it. So, say you're someone addicted to soda, right? And you make this switch. Olipop just locked you in for forever. I mean, forever. People that drink Diet Coke or Dr. Pepper, those people are 
consuming how many of those a year, right? I mean, got to be in a, a day. Like they some uh, I knew there was a um one of my friends' moms would drink 5 to 6 diet Dr. Peppers a day. Crazy. And we you know, we talked about on a previous episode how CPG often follows a power law. Yeah. And I, I would be really fascinated to see uh with these better for you alternatives do they have that same power law so just quick, quick refresh so you know soda for example yeah it's kind of a vice it's not a healthy product it's notoriously made to be addicting and as a result the top 10 percent of its consumers are driving around 90 percent of the revenue Crazy, yeah so if olipop is less addicting is this kind of like the you know nicorette of soda is is it something that is alleviating an addiction or yeah. is it replacing an addiction I think the Olipop founders are probably betting that it's going to become an yeah. addiction. Hopefully they don't <laughs> turn evil and make it addicting. But that's, that's what I'll be fascinated to see is if they really can trans, like change that behavior of a negative behavior of consuming too much soda and being addicted to that to becoming a positive. Because otherwise, it's really hard to build a viable CPG company if you don't have that top 10% of your users addicted to using your product. One of the things you touched on was form factor and like just the the packaging of the product and how, how are you uh, packaging it where you can tap into these different things. And so when they were actually coming up with a product, if you actually look at it, yeah. they were trying to tap into childhood memories mm -hmm. and nostalgia yeah. with how they created the cans um, because they, they ran a bunch of cu uh, customer research surveys and they found that they wanted that people wanted to feel joyful and nostalgic and comfort when they drank a soda the same way like you go to the water park when you were a kid in, in summer and you drank that cherry cola right and you they wanted to create that same effect for their cans when you when you are packing uh, for a staycation or you are packing to um you know go on a road trip you're packing olipop like yeah. you want to make sure that that's part of your part of the essentials the interesting thing that that i read as well was they then had to do this for different generations like, how do you do this for boomers versus millennials versus Gen Z? Yeah. And it, then it was all positioned differently. So I am going to read from the screen because it was a lot to, to try to memorize. But um, for older generations, they've always associated soda with joy, but also enjoy discovery, which that, that was why they developed all the range of flavors. Mm -hmm. um, and that was mostly for the, the older folks. And that's where you think about like a classic cola and a root beer. OG marketers were just so savage yeah. with what they would associate products with. Yes. It's insane. And then they, millennials were seeking soda for comfort. They didn't drink it often, but they, when they did, it was like, you know what? I'm trying to kick back. <laughs> I'm trying to have a, you know, Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why they've positioned their products for, to seek comfort. And like, yeah. that's a lot of the reason why it's packaged the way. Millennials I'm are just always, always stressed out about something. <laughs> Like now, gotta, yeah, one hundred percent. How can we cope? And it's like <laughs> it's like we're trying to be healthy, but yeah. like, fuck, I want to cope. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, I want yeah, yeah, yeah. want a Coca Cola, I want a pleasure. Pepsi. Mm -hmm. But then Gen Z is like, look, we we don't drink soda. Yeah, we're it's, we're it's only healthy. Yeah, like we're trying to be as healthy as possible. We're going to be the generation that lives as long as possible. So then Olipop's like, well, guess what? Gut health and two, you know, two to four grams of sugar. Yeah, you see what I'm saying though? Like how they positioned sure. it for every generation where. Mm -hmm you're not just focused on Gen Z. You're not just focused on millennials or, or boomers. You're able to, because of the customer research, they were able to position this and kind of like check mark everything that's needed for boomers to fall in love with the product, for millennials to fall in love with the product, yeah. Gen Z to fall, love, to fall in love with the product. Yeah. So it's, it's just interesting on, on one, what you can really get if you do proper customer research. Right. And positioning, right? I mean, they, they led with, all, all of those things were very fleshed out. Hey, they knew yeah. their history. They knew that they had different customer personas and they were somehow able to integrate that seamlessly across the entire product, which is just an incredible story. Yeah. And I, I wonder, and this is my last part about this, I wonder if they tapped into Gen, Gen Z first because they, they first started as the prebiotic kind of probiotic soda. Right. If I had to guess, I bet they positioned themselves for millennials for, to first. start. This seems like a very like uh, D to C 2010s branding style, yeah. you know, really light, really festive, playful and their flavors too, right? Cream soda, like cherry cola, vintage cola, cherry vanilla, classic root beer. A lot of these things, orange, orange squeeze, they're coming after 
all the major players. Yeah. Like Fanta, they're coming after Sprite, they're coming after Coke, and they really want to be your one-stop shop for all your soda needs. I read that in one of like their top retail, um, one of the top retail locations that they sell Olipop, that they're outselling, what is the actual root beer brand? It, what is some, uh, something? A&W? In, yeah. yeah. They're outselling them by like a landslide. Yeah. So it is, it is interesting how they're playing into that. I know. What else you got? So one of the things that, you know, we, you had your event the other day. Um, for people unfamiliar, like we had an event for marketers and founders in Austin, had about 50 entrepreneurs come through. It was awesome. Just great brainstorming session. Thanks for coming. And Raba, uh, Raba Rahil, who used to be CMO at Triple Whale, now he's CMO at a really awesome business called Vermont. He mentioned this concept called Moonshot Marketing. And yeah. so what Moonshot Marketing was described by him is it's uncapped upside for a very capped downside. So what does that mean? Say you want to throw an event like you did, right? You really don't know who's going to come to that, but you know that you're going to spend maybe $1,000 on throwing the actual we, event. We spent like 1500 Yeah, exactly. It. And so, but what if, you know, VP of growth for a massive software company comes there, meets you, talks to you about the newsletter, She's the community you're building. Maybe that investment turns into you know ten thousand dollars in revenue for the newsletter. That's not really necessarily what moonshot marketing is, but just to frame the concept yeah. of the cap downside, uncapped upside. And so what Triple Whale did was they threw, uh, they did a few things. They like sent an iPhone to space, and I'm not sure if they were like sending Facebook events from it and making sure that like attribution was still going on there. Um, but one of the things they did that was brilliant was called the Whaleys. Yeah. And so it was an industry-wide award show for D2C. And it was like best operator, best brand, you know, best ads, whatever it is. And for about like 45 days, they kind of had the entire industry in a chokehold. Everyone was talking about them. Triple Whale spent a bag on that event, but they also had co-sponsors to alleviate some of the costs. And everyone knew about Triple Whale. It probably drove you know, countless amounts of leads and, you know, uh, market like awareness, like it, it made them feel very omnipresent. And so a segment that I think we like to do here is brainstorm. Yeah. And there's a couple of software companies that I've been looking at. You've heard of this company incense. I think I actually discovered them from your newsletter a while ago. Yes. Um, and so they're a way to source user generated content. So I want to workshop some ideas around how can incense do like some moonshot marketing? And like, what are some different ways that they can do where it's not necessarily that Incense is just sending you a Facebook ad or, or running an ad in your newsletter, for example, and saying, this is what we do. Is this your problem? We solve it. Actually a way for them to almost frame their product, but behind the scenes, something that you're kind of watching and you don't actually think, oh, Incense is advertising to me. You just, this is captured my eye. So the idea I have is they have obviously a massive network of creators. Mm -hmm. What's a way that they can get their creators to share more about the business and also demonstrate ROI for their customers? Well, say you have a creator house or some sort of meetup, right? And it's almost like president's club at a sales organization for Incense's UGC creators. Mm. So they bring out all of their top performers. And I'm not talking about the hottest or the most attractive or the most outrageous looking. I'm talking about who is the dog at yeah. Incense that is making UGC videos that convert, yeah. right? And how do you create, you know, almost like a president's club meetup of the top of the top UGC creators? And not only are you showing, like this creator created 15 videos that drove $1.8 million in revenue for this brand. Boom, case study, visual, like not even having to explain it. And then it's on video, right? Like you're, you're almost doing like a reality show about all of these different creators coming to one house, call it the UGC, you know, meetup or the UGC awards or whatever it is. Um, and the people that you're sourcing are actually just the best performers in their network. So I, I love your idea. And the initial idea that came to my head of you, you know, breaking down this, this kind of president's club, bringing in all of these creators in house is like, well, what if you took those creators, those same hot top creators that are just ripping for brands through incense and what if you found a company or a brand or a new brand that wants to launch, whatever the case may be, and you got all you paid for all of these creators to blow help blow up this brand? Yeah. And now you essentially take this brand at from zero and you you transform them into hero. And now incense is like the the core of that 
uh, strategy. The initial thing that I think about is like, there's that TikToker Keith Lee. Yeah. Right. And Keith I love Lee, his stuff. Yeah. It's so great. And what Keith does a great job of is like, he'll go to just these random, to these random spots or people that, that go in the comments and they're like, Hey dude, like my company has been struggling for years. Like I have a really good, like I have really good food. I have a really good product. We just don't have awareness. Like we don't have budget to, to put, put into marketing. And he's like, okay. And he comes through and he reviews the food and he's like, look, I may, if it, the product is actually bad, it's, I'm going to review and say it's bad, but if it's really good, I'm also going to say that. Yeah. Dude, he's done that for certain brands. And I'm sure you just pulled up Changes stats. Everything. And it's changed the trajectory of a company. And I think you can do that same thing with an incense where, hey, these creators are going to come. They're going to review your product. They're going to talk about your product. They're going to create all this UGC with your product. And they're going to help you blow up. And you can go from zero to seven figures overnight. You can go from zero to eight figures like, you know, over a short span of time. And when you do this, incense becomes a hero. And it's like one of those organic this is the hero. Like this is the company that put it on and they give a shit about their customers. Dude, this probably would cost them 50 grand. Right. Right. Nothing. I mean, and, and who knows like what that does. Like they are so close to being really, really prominent in the space. It seems like they're on the cut. Like I would say people probably associate Bilio more with UGC right now. Yeah. And this is something that Bilio would never do. Yeah. Right. Like similarly, Triple Whale, they had a competitor called Northbeam. Yeah. Northbeam was notorious for kind of being like the enterprise solution. Yeah. Maybe they had quote unquote better data. Who knows? Like that was very up for debate attribution to wash anyway. But like Northbeam never did anything like to endear themselves to the community, like what 100%. Triple Dale did with the Whaleys. And this is an opportunity for someone like Incense to just completely gobble up sourcing UGC market, which is only going to grow. Like this is the type of content that sells. The other company I thought about is like Wistia. Mm. I know you're familiar with Wistia. They're like, a, yeah. they're competitors, let's say Vimeo, where you could host okay. videos on your site. You could essentially build YouTube on your site, right? And you could have, um, you could create series and shows and, and again, host it on your site, but own the data. Like, whereas with YouTube, you can't, um, you can't get that data or there's, there's certain data and like certain metrics that you just can't get with YouTube that you can with something like Wistia. Mm -hmm. I think what Wistia should do and along the lines of what Triple Whale did and what, uh, I don't know if it's YouTube who hosts this, but you know the Streamy Awards? Yeah. Yeah, like I think Wistia should host a similar thing where it is, it is similar to the Streamy Awards where they honor the best in online video and creators behind it. Wistia should do the same thing. Like, and, and so, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like Wistia is a uh, video platform for businesses, right? And yes. not like for mainstream entertainment. Yes, it is. Oh, okay. It is just for, it's specifically for businesses. And what I think they could do is like similar to Triple Whale holding the Whaley's, like have something and have a version of the streamies that is for businesses. Right. Be, be the people that give the award. Like Speaking of cap award. or not, right? Like speaking of like, building in public and transparency and the, the impact that sharing your numbers can have. So if you're a performance marketer and you have an absolutely banger ad, you want to share that. That's one of the biggest growth hacks for growing your agency is sharing, we made this winning ad and it drove this, 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 and this. Like Wistia, maybe they have potential to be, you know, the ads of the year. And instead of it being something voted on by a fucking committee, right? Some sort of you know, all-knowing judge that can say this was a great ad or not and being subjective, they could also just have a very data-driven approach of these were the best videos created on Wistia. This yeah. was the highest converting sales ad that we had created on our platform. Yeah. This one drove the most leads. This one got the best click-through rate, all this stuff. And you can't tell me that like that's not information that any B2B marketer would not just Dude, devour, right? Like, yeah. oh, I mean, that would be setting the trends for the next you know, year in B2B marketing is how are you going to show what actually worked and what didn't? Obviously, yeah. you got to get permission from the creator of it, but like that only helps the creator too, right? Like you can show your expertise and people, it's not something that they can question or call you a fraud. No, yeah. it's right there. The proof is, proof is right there. 100%. Well, shit, we, we went down a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot in this episode. So guys, one, appreciate you. We, we hit uh, like we said in the, the beginning, we hit number 30 on, on the charts this week. That's huge. Um, we were kidding about like feeling like there's pressure on, but we do appreciate you listening and subscribing and leaving us reviews because we're only like, 
we're doing this because we want to put more content out there and we actually want to help people it's similar to why we do the free game segments and like we put out all this content it's just to help people listening yeah, yeah just ideas so, i mean yeah you know i think like one thing that we both share is like an appreciation for like the people that created this content before us 100%. like i mean i didn't have a marketing degree like yeah. I learned Neither. everything about marketing from people on the internet, people yeah. tweeting and stuff like that. Um, so that's why we do it. One thing we wanted to say is if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, something we're going to start doing is we'll actually give you a growth plan for your business, whether that's on the pod or in a tweet. Um, we want to amplify our listeners. We want to show you guys that like we actually care. And you know we don't have all the answers, but we've done some pretty cool stuff in the growth world. And um, that's just one way we can thank y'all for the support. So if you leave a five-star review, send a screenshot of it to us via the DMs, and we will either tweet out a growth plan of like how we would run your ads or your landing page, whatever, or we might even talk about it on the pod. 100%. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Right. Peace. Peace.